the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How are you doing with that man or that woman in the mirror? Have you understood the truth that me issues often become we issues? That when you don't address the problems in yourself, it's going to create problems all around you. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. And then he says, Hosea, you're going to illustrate this. Because you're going to marry a whore. She's going to leave you. And I'm going to instruct you to go and find her where she's in the city streets prostituting herself, being sold by other men. And I'm going to ask you to buy her back and to marry her again. Because I want you to see, and I want my people to see, that God is a loving God who's deeply offended, who's distraught over the cheating, the adultery of his children. James, knowing his listeners would be familiar with the language of God, he calls it out. He makes it clear. He gets real. Look at how it continues. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says? Do you suppose it is no purpose that the scripture says? We should say that every week when we gather together. Do you suppose it's no purpose that God has given us his word? Do you believe this? Is this just a book to sit on a table or on a shelf? Is it just a prop that you carry around and hold up? Do you believe what it says and the consequences of how it teaches the word and the will and the ways of God? So do you believe it has no purpose? He yearns jealously over the spirit that he's made to dwell in us. He's saying you can't have it both ways. You want to know the source of the conflict. You want to know the source of everything that is going awry in your life. And I'm not talking to the James audience. I'm talking to us. You want to know why you're facing the difficulties, the challenges, the conflict that you feel in your life? James is saying the the source of all of our conflicts come back to spiritual adultery. It's not that we need to love someone else more. Yes, love your neighbor, but you can't love your neighbor until you love God more. When God looks at us in that condition, he's jealous. Just as a spouse who's watching a husband or wife cheat with another man or another woman. 
He yearns jealously. Why? Because when we begin a relationship with God, the Spirit, some translations take that word Spirit and they give it a capital S because the Spirit of God is implanted in us. And God the Father in heaven is looking at us, his children, knowing that the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us and he yearns because it's not okay. It breaks his heart because he loves us. And yet we're cheating on God. When you love someone, you make yourself vulnerable. And when you make yourself vulnerable, you open yourself to be hurt. And most of us over a significant age have experienced the hurt from someone we've loved. And I would challenge you, if you know even an ounce of that in this moment, to go back to that and then think about the hurt that our God feels when we sin against him. When we choose to get our delight from the world, we're choosing to begin a fight with God. So you can't just flirt. It's what Proverbs was saying in the Old Testament. You can't just scoop the flames into your, fi- into your lap and then be surprised that your legs are being burned. No, when you flirt with the world, you are fighting with God. It is putting you in direct opposition to the Creator. God was wounded because his bride was cheating. It's what Paul is describing in Romans chapter 1 and verse 25. It says they've exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they've worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. How absurd. We read that on the pages of scripture and we think, who could do that? How absurd. No one would do that. Who would worship the creature rather than the creator? We do when we put a foot in the world. You can't love God and the world any more than a man or wife that love their spouse and another person. As a counselor, as a pastor, sometimes someone will say to me, you know, pastor, I I love my wife, but but I love this other woman too. And I, I just have to look at them and say, no, no, you don't. Not in that way, you can't. God says that about you and me and the world. In 1 John 2, it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. It's talking about the world system, right? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not from the Father but it's from the world. Yes, we love the people of the world, but this world system, that is not our answer. That's why I need to say every time I can, your answer is not in the world. Your hope is not in the world. It's not gonna be found at the courthouse in the county. It's not gonna be found at the White House in the nation. Your answer can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when your desires are fueled by anything other than that. The Bible says you're flirting with the world and it puts you at opposition. You're fighting with God. Because a desire for anything, even a good thing, becomes a bad thing when that desire becomes the controlling thing 
in your life. I would remind you, it's the world system that crucified Jesus. And the world system would still do that today. Whether that world system is communism or Marxism or capitalism, or it's a Democrat world system or a Republican world system, understand this, our answer is not in the world. So how are you doing in this area? Your passion's raging against you. Are you at war with yourself? Who's on the throne? Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Oh, if we saw our sinfulness, our unfaithfulness as the way God sees our unfaithfulness, it would break our hearts. And we would cry, help. Oh, God, help. And he does. Every time. And as he always does in his word, God's word never challenges us without showing us the solution, the answer, his provision. And that's what James does in verse 6. He gives more grace. Aren't you thankful for God's grace? Aren't you thankful for God's grace? Would you just praise him today? Where would we be without the grace of God? God's grace, his unmerited favor. Do you understand what that means? He doesn't give us what we deserve and he gives us things we could never earn or deserve. When we need more grace, God gives it. Or as August Augustine said, God gives what he demands. The old hymn writer put it this way. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added afflictions, he added his mercy. To multiplied trials, he multiplied peace. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power, no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. God's grace is always enough. He gives more grace. Somebody's here today and you've never begun a relationship with God. You don't know what it means to walk in fellowship with him. Maybe you've been religious. Maybe you've gone to church, but, but you've never communed with your creator. And the grace of God is enough to save you. But many are watching or listening or present. And man, you've got that saving grace. 
but you're like Peter. You're, you're following at a guilty distance. You're not really professing him, though you say you possess him. He gives you more sustaining grace. Maybe you've completely backslidden. You've walked away. You've wandered, as the old hymn says, far away from home. He gives more grace. James goes on to say, therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There you have it, the problem and the solution. What's the problem? Pride. God opposes the proud. If you're going to live by YOLO, if you're going to be determined to have it your way, if you're going to be thinking about, I deserve it, so I'm going to go after it, just know this, get ready. Because it doesn't just say God doesn't like that. It says God's ready to fight you. He's going to break you down. Why? Because that is the attitude of Satan. That's what happened to Lucifer in the heavens. He wanted to be God. He wanted to have power. He was full of pride and he fell down. And pride will make you fall every time because God opposes the proud. But what's the solution? We humble ourselves. We humble ourselves. If pride is like Satan, humility is the image of Jesus. Listen to how Paul describes it in Philippians 2. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and in one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each one of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of other. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the solution, the humility of Christ. That's our posture How would our little corner of the world be different if we lived by this motto? I will always put him and them above myself. I will always pray for others first. I will always serve others first. I will serve my wife or my husband before I desire to be served. I will serve my boss or my employees before I desire to be served. I will serve my classmates before I desire to be served. The only solution to a hurting and Helpless and hopeless world is a helpful and hope-filled church. The only solution to a fighting and divided world is a faith-filled and unified church. How do we humble ourselves? Well, humility is not thinking poorly of yourself. 
is thinking accurately about yourself. Humility is looking into the mirror of God's word and walking away with an accurate description, depiction of who you are. So James tells us what to do. Look very quickly. Verse 7, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. See, when we do what he did, we get what he got. He lays it out. Simple instructions. First, he says, submit. Submit. It's a word which is a military term. It literally means to put yourself up under in the appropriate rank. You recognize that he's the boss. You're not. That's why when you begin a relationship with Christ, we talk about surrender. That's why when there doesn't appear to be any surrender in your life, it's hard to reconcile that you could have a relationship with God. Because at the core of our faith is this idea of submission, a willingness to place myself up under him. It's saying I've decided which garden I live in. You hear that? Which garden? The Bible talks about two important gardens, the Garden of Eden and the Garden of Gethsemane. You know the theme in the Garden of Eden? My will. You know the theme in the Garden of Gethsemane? Thy will. When we submit, we say, thy will. Most of the problems we face would be solved if we would answer simply that we've submitted to Jesus. It's a throne issue, right? I'm telling you, most of your problems in life would be solved if you just first asked this question, have I surrendered this to Jesus? Have I surrendered my marriage to Jesus? Have I surrendered my work to Jesus? Have I surrendered my education to Jesus? Have I surrendered these relationships to Jesus? It's total submission. It's not what we do. We're more like the little boy. He's fighting with his mother. He's got an attitude, a bad day, and finally she's had it. She said, you sit down and you be quiet and you listen to me. He sat down and he he got quiet, but he just started grinning. And she said, what are you smirking about? And he said, I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. And that's how many professing Christ followers live. We act like we've submitted, but we haven't. He said, submit. Then he said, resist. Did you hear that? You can resist the devil. How do we do it? We do it humbly. We do it confidently. We do it biblically. We do it prayerfully. We do it like Jesus did. What did Jesus do? He resisted the devil with the word of God. So we get into the word of God. So the word of God gets into us so that when we face these temptations, we can resist the devil with the word of God. We get into Ephesians 6 and we put on that belt of truth. We put on that breastplate of righteousness. We put on that helmet of salvation. We go forward with the confidence of the shoes of the gospel of peace. We hold up the shield of faith and we have the sword of the spirit, the word of God. We resist the devil. And then we draw close. Now remember, James is speaking to Christ's followers. So this is not about salvation. You can't get closer to God than you already are in salvation if you're saved. But he's talking about your day-to-day, your ongoing relationship. He's telling us to run to Jesus. And he gives us this promise. 
when you get close to God, God always gets close to you. He's never going to say, not now, I'm too busy. He's never going to say, just hold on a few minutes. When you draw close to God, it's a promise. He's going to draw close to you. It's the story of the prodigal son who's gone his own way, not just at a guilty distance. He's wandered far away from home. Now he's coming home, and as he begins to go to the father, as he takes steps to the father, what does the father do? The father sprints to him. That's what God does to you. You can count on it. I have to tell you, our kids are growing up. We've moved three boys out of the house in the last few weeks. We loved the Purvis Pack quarantine time where we were all under one roof. And I can remember a couple of days where we were just being lazy and maybe mom and I were still in the bed. And starting with the littlest, one child would come in and then the teenager would begin to come in. And then the one that would be clarified in the world as an adult might climb in. And guess what? They were all welcomed because they were just getting close to mommy and daddy. And that was good for them and it was good for us. Don't get me wrong, we wouldn't sleep that way, but it was good in the moment. And when you climb up on your heavenly father's lap and you spend time with him, he loves it and you benefit and you walk away different. Then James says, take sin seriously. Did you see that? Be clean, cleanse yourself, repent, mourn. You know what our problem is? Not those who are lost. I'm I'm talking to the people James was talking to. Those of us who are followers of Christ, you know our problem? We sin and we don't care. We cheat on God. We're adulteresses. We don't care. He says mourn. When's the last time your sin, not my sin, when's the last time your sin, not not that other person who wronged you, not the person who did something terrible to you, when's the last time your sin drove you to tears and you mourned because of how you hurt a holy God? How would our world be different? if first we saw the seriousness of our sin before we saw the seriousness of how we've been sinned against. Usually when I talk with someone about a relationship, the first thing they want to talk about is what's been done to them. We we never are naturally prone to bring it back to what we've done. And so James sums it up. He he gives us the punchline in verse 10. He said, if you choose who's on the throne, if you choose to stop flirting with the world, if you make the decision, you're not just going to keep throwing rocks and see what happens. If you humble yourself before the Lord, he will exalt you. You want to be lifted up? You feel like your life is in the pit? It's in the miry clay, as the psalmist says. You're down in the dumps. You want to be picked up? Then humble yourself. 
You want to walk in the fullness of God's blessings? You, you want to feel like you have a relationship with the creator that is alive and vibrant? Then humble yourself. You want to be a difference maker? You want the blessed life? Then humble yourself. The way up is down. God high and man low. And you get to the side. Faithful following or flirting and fighting. Let me make a recommendation. Let's choose what Jesus offers. As the writer of Hebrews says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.